Hello, my name is Emily Hazard. And I'm Becca Anderson. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy and have no schedule whatsoever. <laughs> it's part of our charm. We're, We're back. great at this. <laughs> Again. Uh, you never know when we're coming, guys. <laughs> yep. This is the 50th episode of Grey's Anatomy, a milestone that they reached after us because we're better. And this is season three, episode 14, Wishing and Hoping Without Any G's. It's a song originally sung by Dion Warwick, which <laughs> I have to mention it for all my Kimmy, Kimmy Schmidt fans out there. I ate Dionne Warwick. No. If you, if you don't get it, look it up. Or don't. It's, it's okay either way. You should. I ate Grammy Award winner. Original air date was February 1st, 2007. Written by Tony Flynn and Joan Rader. Directed by Julianne Robinson. And it had 24.18 million viewers, which is up from last week. I'm going to jump straight into follow-up. So there was something that I kind of forgot to touch on last episode, and it has to do with that scene between Izzy and George that broke me. It's an analysis that I kind of forgot to mention, but it's really important for upcoming episodes. So we said that the scene started and they were sitting at the conference table in a manner that kind of looked like they were about to sign some divorce papers. It looked kind of weird. But something else struck me as well. Izzy basically gives George permission to go be with Callie. And mm-hmm. it's only after that moment that George tells Callie he loves her, that George proposes. And even though I know, I know it's not literal, in the language of television and in the language of narrative, Izzy did give George permission, as a father would, to go, you know, propose, basically. As a family member would, you know? As I say, so, which is also very telling since George's dad did just die. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, like, interesting with that concept yeah, as well. At, at the very least, it cements that George very highly regards what Izzy thinks and her opinions. and Which that, is shocking with what happens in this episode, but anyways. <laughs> right, but that will eventually kind of be his undoing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's true. You want to read this little quote? So writer Joan Joan Rader um, uh, for this episode says that this episode was obviously about a lot of things, but for me, it was really about Alzheimer's disease, how devastating it is to families, how it turns spouses and children into caretakers, how it robs people of their memory, their identity. Yeah. I just wanted to put that out there Mm because I thought that that was a really good way to sum up this episode and uh i kind of did like a weird deep dive onto the wikipedia page not the wiki but like the actual wikipedia page for this web for this episode and this was a critic back in 2007 had this to say about the episode this episode was fantastic on every level. The progression of several of the personal stories in the medical cases both entertained and excited us. It was also a very emotional episode, and we had tears welling up in several scenes. There really wasn't one aspect that needed improving upon. It was practically flawless. Wow. Yeah, which is very interesting because I guess, like, if I think about 
season three as a whole. I'm skipping this episode most times. Mm-hmm. But it was one of the best critically received episodes of the season. So just keep that in mind when you watch it. I mean, Kate well, Burton. I was going to say, would, I hope you've watched it at this point since yes. you're listening to this. But yeah, you when monster. you rewatch it. Kate Burton was actually nominated for an Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Drama Series. Hmm. Uh, she didn't win. She lost to Leslie Karen. Karen? I don't know. From Special Victims Unit, so dun-dun. Emily's okay with that decision, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with that. Um, look, a couple fun facts about this episode. The Toxic Patient storyline is actually based on a real one, Gloria Ramirez. It's wild, guys. You should <laughs> You should read about it. The Season 3 DVD set included audio commentary on this episode by Kate Burton and Ellen Pompeo, and I know what you're thinking. I can't wait to hear what they said. Well, sucks, because I didn't watch it. I got nothing for you either. Sorry. (laughs) And I have no excuse. Flashbacks from this episode were used in Season 11. Uh, And this is the first episode in which Christina explicitly states her intention to become a cardiothoracic. cardiothoracic surgeon. So, honestly, for me, kind of going into this episode I don't think I was looking forward to it at much I was really I feel that since we've kind of gotten to this point in the season all I've been looking for is the 15 16 17 kind of storyline that's coming up but while re-watching it I realized one just how important that this episode is to so many of the things that happen within 15 16 17 but also just how much I really enjoyed the patients in this episode. And I thought, I don't know, they had some really interesting storylines and kind of what they brought to some of the doctors, characters and stuff. This episode also had a good amount of comedy in it, which, I mean, I don't know. It was just, it was a very well-rounded episode. And honestly, like rewatching it, I was like, why haven't I watched this episode more? Like, it's a great episode. Yeah, it's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it kind of gets a little bit put in the shadow by, because obviously we're coming up to a huge storyline in 15, 16, 17, you know, 13, 14 kind of get overshadowed by that. It's a beautiful, majestic foothill at the bottom <laughs> of a, of a glorious mountain, mountain <laughs> if you will. Yeah, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. And just like Becca said, 13 and 14 are just stuck in between two big events. Mm -hmm. But this episode does not feel stagnant, which is strange because it doesn't progress things. It purposefully doesn't progress things in a really big way, but it also doesn't feel stagnant at all. Like a lot of stuff happens and it's, it's a very fine line and they walked on it perfectly, I think. As always, when you get Ellen Pompeo and Kate Burton together in an episode, it's going to be top tier. But this one in particular is just almost like intimidating because of Lucid Ellis. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so cool because we have already met Ellis plenty of times over the course of the show, but we've only ever heard about the real Ellis. So in a way, it's like we're meeting a brand new character even though it's the same person that we've known for three seasons now. She did not disappoint me either. It was I think they used her 
damn near perfectly. Mm-hmm. And again, perfect job. Meredith in particular, because she's the main character, but perfect job teeing up the multi-part episode that we have in front of us. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, as surgeons, we live in a world of worst case scenarios. We cut ourselves off from hoping for the best because too many times the best doesn't happen. And every now and then something extraordinary occurs and suddenly best case scenarios seem possible. And every now and then something amazing happens and against our better judgment, we start to have hope. Hmm. That sticks out to me a little bit because of the theme in the next couple of episodes. And of course, the word extraordinary. Every time I hear it, I just uh, bells go off in my head. I like it. It's good. I'm satisfied. Uh, I have this little quote from the Gray Matter blog. It's now they they were talking about the timing of when to use the Ellis storyline. And she goes, now it feels Like, the interns are entering a new period, a period that is really about identity. Who they are as surgeons, can they have a life and a career? Can they be happy? Meredith is, or at least she should be. She and Derek together are together, and she finally has a chance at happiness. Perfect time for her mother to show up. And I will note that uh, in that Grey Matter blog, they said that Lucid Ellis has been up all through season two and season three. So this idea has been on the on the board mm-hmm. forever, but they just didn't know when to use it. And uh, Jesus Christ, they pick a good time to use it. I was about to say, I honestly can't think of a better time to use it. Just looking back at season two and what we've got of season three so far, I can't really think of a better spot because, you know, we have... Meredith and Derek being, you know, pretty much happy. We have kind of all of these almost like in-between kind of periods for the interns because, you know, you have Christina who knows what she wants in career-wise, but is kind of having to face this big decision in her life. And, you know, will she marry Burke? What's she going to do with that? George just made a huge decision in marrying Callie, and he's about to kind of see the consequences from that, they're all kind of at this big period. And I think, you know, they're like, oh, we need to make these big decisions. And then Lucid Ellis just waltzes in. And she was like, exactly what we didn't know we needed. (laughs) Well, and I'm also really surprised when I read that because it seems like this had to happen before Meredith goes on this journey of self-identity. Because mm-hmm. that's what 15, 16, 17 is, is Meredith literally going within herself and struggling with her identity. So the fact that... Yeah, that's very true. The fact that they were unsure that this would be a good time to use Ellis seems absurd in hindsight. I think it's also crucial to note that we get Lucid Ellis pretty much right after the chief made the decision to one, retire, but also that he's going to go and work on his relationship with Adele. And I think that's also a huge thing because then all of a sudden, you know, Lucid Ellis is coming up and he's just like, well, I just made this plan. And Again, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Run Runaway by Sabrite, featuring P-S-A-P-P. 
the opening is Christina is sitting on her bed just looking at the engagement ring. Callie and George are in the elevator. Izzy and Bailey are outside of the hospital looking at the sign that says the Denny Duquette Memorial Clinic. And I know we touch on this all the time, but time just doesn't exist in Seattle Grace. Do you have any idea the amount of red tape that would be involved in building a free clinic and they did it in eight days? That is bullshit. They extreme makeover makeover home editioned the crap out of that clinic. Like That's just bullshit. Eight days. No. Are y'all ready to see your free clinic? <laughs> y'all ready to see your fixer upper? Exactly. <laughs> like that's she's like eight days and you're like the paperwork that you would have to do? Like I mm. The I have many questions. The space that they would have to like that's, that's just so true. That's just bullshit. This Did is they bullshit. just have this extra space that they were like, what are we gonna do with this? <laughs> yeah. No. Unless they converted a wing of the hospital. But there was nothing there. I I don't know. We have questions. I don't like I don't mm, just wave your hand back and forth and pretend it that it doesn't exist. So then we cut straight to Ellis at the nursing home and Meredith is watching her and Mrs. Henry is back. She is the reluctant narrator of the Ellis Meredith saga and she wants nothing to do with them. But she tells Meredith in the audience that Ellis woke up completely aware. She's her old self. That's Which is creepy. Crazy. And the fact that this actually happens... Yeah, that's insane. This woman also calls it a random gift, and she clearly has not met Ellis Gray if she thinks that her becoming aware is a gift. Yes. She she hasn't interacted yet with with Ellis if she thinks this is a gift. At least not lucid Ellis. Although Ellis not lucid is still pretty hard to deal with, so... So Mrs. Henry uh, continues to exposition for us. She remembers everything except for the last five years Mm -hmm. and she doesn't remember that she has alzheimer's of course so and and she goes we thought she should hear from you so they just like locked her in the room and like (laughs) closed the door and she's like is she like knocking on the door being like hello she's like where am i what am i what's happening and they're like and she she says that she's been asking for meredith she's like meredith where am i (laughs) These people are imprisoning me. Where is my daughter? What is happening? <laughs> is anyway, so we we cut over to Derek, Mark, and Addison, and well, actually, and the Chief and Burke, and they're all still kind of like fighting over Chief, but Addison and Mark are standing together and just kind of letting um, you know Derek and Burke, Obi Wan and Anakin, mm-hmm. by themselves. I just had an important question. Do you think... I was just, like, watching the scene, and something about Mark just struck me. Do you think Derek fell in love with Meredith, at least partly because she's the female Mark? I have never thought about it like that before, but since you mentioned it, and I saw your question while I was, like, watching the episode, the entire rest of the episode, I could not unsee it. Yeah. Because, You're I welcome. mean, he's a little bit flirtier, I want to say, than Meredith, but they but they both have the 
like, I want to, everything needs to be about me. And like, I'm going to talk about me and like (laughs) those kind of aspects. Yeah. Or the, and then there's me. There you go. Underestimating me again. Like Meredith would say something like that. I don't know if she would. I think she wants to be underestimated. So that way she can cut carotids without people knowing that it's her. I think Meredith is more aloof than Mark Mark is. Mm -hmm. I think Mark is more in your face. So maybe he just wanted a subdued Mark. I don't know. Anyway, so we cut back to Ellis. And let me just say that this episode is heroin to me in my timeline. I'm getting high on this episode because listen to all the details we get. When did you get back from Europe? I went to Europe for two months, but that was... And then Ellis goes, I've been thinking about the fight we had. The things I said. I said some terrible things. Not shocking. See, this is... Ellis tries so hard to be a good mother, and she just isn't. <laughs> no, you can tell that she's trying, and then she, like, says these things, and you're like, wait, what? what? Why? <laughs> and it's like, in what world do you think that that was the right thing to say? <laughs> And she says, after you left, I was upset, which is kind of cute. But then we kind of get a big thing that kind of almost ties into your theory, um, Mm -hmm. the major theory, which we have not talked about in a while. A hot minute. But Ellis says, the last thing I remember is the fight we had. And listen, if you don't want to go to medical school, that is fine. It's your life. Just take me home, whatever. So... To me, that implies that Ellis tried to force Meredith to go to med school and that Mare didn't want to. Exactly. But in the pilot, Meredith tells George that Ellis tried to talk Meredith out of going to medical school Mm -hmm. and told Meredith that she'd never make it as a surgeon. So inconsistencies theory. Exactly. I'm calling it. That is a huge theory. Because Meredith is an unreliable narrator, all Alzheimer'y. Yes. Love it. Um, and Ellis obviously wants to go home since these people probably locked her in her room for half the day. I just like how, uh, how Ellen delivers this line. I went to Europe five years ago. You got sick. You have Alzheimer's. This is your home. You live here now. And the Ellis breakdown, like, the way that they film it with, like, the shaky hands and, like, mm-hmm. the fact that she just kind of, like, passes out is very, it's almost, like, horror movie-esque. Yeah. I, I liked it. Kate Burton did a great job acting it. Yeah, geez. I don't know how they got her, how they landed that actress, but, my God, they scored when they got her. Yeah, so then we cut over, and surprise, surprise, where does the ambulance take them? But Seattle Grace. <laughs> I mean, that kind of makes sense. Well, I know. <laughs> Meredith would want her mom at the hospital where she works. She's like, take her as far away from me as possible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Burke immediately meets her, and Ellis asks about the chief right away, and she goes, Richard Weber's the chief of surgery? So she finds out really fast. She's like, was, this moron? No. It, no, it was kind of a cute moment, because she you could tell she was proud, you know? Oh, yeah. So now we have Christina, Alex, Izzy... All in the, all in the clinic, and I, Bailey. I don't know why, but this storyline brings me so much joy, and I think it's just because it's comedic and funny. But it does. I think it's just the way that Izzy acts, or I don't it's, know. But when Alex is looking at something and picks it up, and she goes, "Oh no 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 no! Don't touch that! That was 
$79. I laugh so loud. Also, we get Olivia back, which... It seems strange, but then you immediately find out why she's in the episode. How did you? How did you like the little, like comedy bit that they were trying to go for where it's like stevens just watched the door i thought it was strange it seemed a little strange but i feel like i could get behind it yeah i don't know i didn't i didn't mind it but if you think about it kind of like in and of itself you're like yeah that is kind of weird i do like the whole like thing about how she like keeps like creepishly staring at it and then like other people i don't know it was funny i think they could have done better they were treating Izzy as a child. I don't know. Something about it was off when Bailey was like, just watch the door, sweetie. You know? It was weird. But the the chief comes in with this this burn. He goes, it is open, isn't it? <laughs> Patriarchal, pow, pow, pow. Ugh. So then George and Callie come into the clinic holding hands, and Izzy Collective speaks for burn. all of us as she says, damn it. And George immediately vomits. We got married in Vegas. And everyone stops and stares at them. And then Alex delivers quite possibly the line of the episode. Dude, she's Callie O'Malley. (laughs) Nailed it. And then that's that's the teaser. Oh my god. That's it. Callie O'Malley. So is it the Callie O'Malley tally now? Uh, I I can't. She was getting better, but in this episode, I cannot handle her at all. This episode, Callie is insufferable. Insufferable. So they got married in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And Izzy has to check that they're happy, which is hilarious. <laughs> I love this. I love how they cut immediately, too. It's fast, you know? It seems really very fast. And are, are, you, are you even happy? And then Callie... Out of nowhere, she's like, we're incredibly happy. And <laughs> she's like, I, I speak for both of us. I love watching Katherine Heigl play this bitchy, like, I don't know. It's like kind of like jealous, maybe a little bit shallow. Whatever it is, it's like fuel to me. The more I get, the happier and more alive I feel. When she goes, oh, yay, well, great, yay. And then George goes, show her the ring. <laughs> this line is has got to be one of the best lines of the whole episode. Oh, that's so great. Tiny diamonds are great because you know no one will ever try to steal it. <laughs> oh my god. Izzy Stevens, take all of my money. Because from inside of the narrative, from inside of the show... If I was a doctor, you know, like the sixth intern, I would hate this marriage. And I would be 100% with Izzy. But as an audience member, as a fan, I love this marriage because it applies pressure to the George-Izzy relationship. And that pressure makes for some of the most spectacular performances by both T.R. Knight and Katherine Heigl, and you know, arguably Sarah Ramirez as well. Mm-hmm. It produces some of the funniest, the most heartbreaking, the most compelling moments of the season. And so I have to be behind this marriage. I think it was a stroke of genius. However, I also hate it. But I want to make sure that I'm clear about 
I love it from a narrative writing perspective. Mm-hmm. You love it from the perspective of what it does for the for show. For the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is a really interesting way to kind of look at TV shows and what happens in TV shows because mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to, you know, like look at this marriage and kind of, you know, if you if you are a George and Kelly fan, if you're not, you know, pick a side. And it's very easy to just, you know, if, like for one of us, since we don't like their relationship to just, oh, I hate their marriage. I hate this thing. But if you look at it deeper and kind of look at it, what it does for the overall storyline, what it does for all of the characters, you know, George and Callie, but then also all the characters around them, it's a really interesting take. And I really kind of like that the writers chose to go in this direction and kind of try the I like what they did with this storyline. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of people watch a TV show at face value mm-hmm. and they kind of get sucked in. It, I just prefer to step back and try to analyze the decision process. And maybe that's not satisfying for a lot of people, but it's one of the most fascinating things about television to me because some of our favorite moments which are coming up later in season three becca and i have like a couple of favorite moments coming up literally are not possible if this storyline didn't happen so i can't hate it how could you hate it this is the only reason why we get some of the best moments of the season it is really it's kind of a fun way to rewatch a show because mm-hmm. i feel like so often you know the first time you're going through a show it is really taking it at face value. But then to kind of go into a rewatch and really look at, you know, the storylines, what they're bringing, and kind of look at it at a, on a deeper level, one, it gives you a whole new reason to rewatch the show, which is great. Um, but it also just brings up, I mean, one, you think about things that you didn't think of the first time. You notice things that you didn't notice the first time. I don't know. And it just kind of makes you appreciate, you know, what the writers did, what they didn't do, maybe, if you thought mm-hmm. they could have done something better. Or if you're know. glad they didn't go in one direction or the other. <laughs> yeah, so, cool. So Callie goes, we've been out of our Vegas hotel room bubble for six hours, and I don't like it. <laughs> she says it like that, guys. I got exactly what I wanted, and I'm still not happy. <sighs> you got exactly what you wanted. Ex- and that's the point. You got exactly what you wanted and you're not happy, which means that the problem is not exterior, it's interior. You got to fix yourself before you can be, whatever, be around normal people. So then this, this is hysterical. Literally, let's, let's start like counting how the show itself just like rips into this George and Callie marriage. Because, I mean, let's start counting. This is the first, well... I think Alex is the first. So we got one. We got Izzy. Mm-hmm. I think every okay. single character. Yes, let's let's go through it. So we got Alex. We got Izzy. So that's two so far. Mm-hmm. Now George is talking to the chief. <laughs> so he goes, "So chief, we're a couple married men." And then the chief goes, "Adele and I are getting a divorce." <laughs> uh, the timing of this is like the chief being. You know, saying, George, you getting to marry married to Callie caused my divorce. <laughs> I know. He's just like, see, the thing is, he's like one of those like really like um, conservative. 
You know, when you get married to Callie, you kind of ruin the institution for the rest of us. <laughs> Love it. And just everyone in the hospital gets divorced all at just once. Just like rapid divorce. Yeah. And then I love, that's life, O'Malley. That's life. <laughs> so we meet our first patient. How do they pronounce her name? Marina? Marina? We suck at this. I'm going to be honest with you. I went this whole episode without really ever hearing her name, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And Vincent. <laughs> and basically we get that she has this boyfriend and he's like, I know everything about her. And the chief is just like, no, you don't. Well, she has cancer and you don't know that. So take that. Pow, pow, pow. And, the, and the best is like the doctor's like, oh, yeah, from her cancer treatment. And Vincent's like, you're wrong. She doesn't have cancer. And you're like, I feel like the doctor would know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then Ellis and the chief come face to face, and Ellis goes, my God, you've aged. It's like, get her a mirror. Oh, my God. Do you think she's, like, seen herself? I don't know. Although, five years, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, five years isn't that big a deal. But she hasn't seen the chief in more than five years. That's to be true. fair. And he's had all the stress of being the chief. Yeah, okay. She's seen herself. <laughs> Whatever. I also love how now she like, is diagnosing herself. Mm-hmm. He's like, so what's, what's going on? And she's like, I'll tell you. <laughs> I also really appreciate this line. Stepping down. Well, I can only assume that was Adele's idea. It's like, man, this, this chick does not mince words. Like, she is kind of terrifying. She's savage. But I also love it. She's cut from the same monstrous stone that Meredith is. Mm-hmm. But she's way more blunt. Oh, way than worse. Meredith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also love how the entire time Meredith is trying to tell the chief, like, she's lucid, and Ellis is just not having it. She, she, she's just like, oh, Richard. <laughs> okay. And Meredith has to keep reminding herself that this is a gift. Here's the thing, though. Because of Ellis. Everyone says it's a gift, but. I don't think it is because I've known people with Alzheimer's and if I had a day with that person and I didn't even know I had a day, right? It could have, it could snap back at any moment. Mm -hmm. That would almost hurt more. Yeah. I, I almost wonder if Meredith is trying to make it be like this gift, because if you think about it, the last kind of real moment they had when Ellis was really with it was I guess this horrible fight and so and obviously Meredith has a lot of issues and they have a lot of arguments together and so I almost think her kind of being like it's a gift it's a gift it's her trying to be like maybe this is an opportunity to right some wrongs or like rehash things out kind of but no I understand kind of what you mean You know, something sparked in my mind when you were talking that blew my mind away. So you know how we say that Meredith and Derek are like the crusades for like righting the wrongs of past generations? (laughs) Meredith gets this weird second chance to right the wrongs with Ellis. She gets to like chain, you know, she gets like a second chance just like we've been saying she is the metaphor for a second chance just like Derek and Meredith are the metaphor of a second chance with Richard and Ellis and you'll notice that again 
the last thing that they talk about is a fight. Yeah, that's true. The past just repeated itself. Mm-hmm. Again. Ugh, what a dark place. I love it. Dark and twisty. We're, get, we're getting into the heart of the darkness oh, yeah. of season three right here. Yeah, it it doesn't get much worse than this, but it, it will. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> you thought. Um, so then we cut over to Burke and Christina, and Burke breaks the news that um, Ellis is lucid to Christina. But then he immediately asks her why, she, why she's not wearing the ring. They do this like a business. Like, this is so Burke and Christina. I would like an answer. It's been over a week. <laughs> and then Christina goes, I told you, it's under advisement. <laughs> She's like, I'm getting my lawyer to look at the contract. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it is a little bit of a revealing line when Bert goes, oh, do you not like the ring? Like that, take note of that. It starts small, but it'll get bigger. Mm-hmm. So the song Elevator Music by Beck is playing when, yes, when Izzy and Alex are now going through the hospital trying to find patients to bring to the clinic. This is gold. I love this. Are you my doctor? I can be. We have a clinic right outside those doors. No, wait. And then Alex goes, what's wrong with you? (laughs) It hurts when I pee. (laughs) Which is like, that's a UTI. Like, what else? I mean, I'm not a doctor. (laughs) Thanks, Emily. What else could it be? Probably a million things. But like, that... (laughs) That's a UTI. You need to go to a minute clinic. You need to get some Bactrim. And you need to get out of there in 45 minutes. I don't know why you're in the hospital. He's been waiting in the ER for an hour. Good Lord. Yeah, seriously. He's he's got patients. Anyway. And we can help with that. (laughs) Yeah, it's easy. It's nothing. You can get out of here in less than an hour. Like I said. And then this man. This man. Look at this man. Go back and watch this episode and look at this man. And he literally asks... Is he fucking Stevens? Are you hitting on me? It's like, look at her and then look at you and then answer that question for yourself. Maybe he was asking Alex. That's true. Although <laughs> he was looking at Izzy when he said that. I also just love that a woman coughs nearby and Alex sounds like TB. Yeah, very contagious. No, it was COVID. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny how this episode we are recording in the middle of COVID when... Like, some of the, the stuff that happens in this episode is very, like, COVID-esque. But, yeah. I guess I just put this episode in a vault. In a time capsule. Yeah. So now we cut over to Lucid Ellis, the author of Destruction. Oh. Yeah. These Ellis scenes really help us understand why Meredith is a neurotic, despondent, delightful little maniac that we know and love. Yeah, it's I mean, honestly amazing that Meredith didn't end up worse. Did you like that they made these scenes so similar to Liz Fallon and Meredith in 104? Yes. Um, I found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like how they kind of make the comparison that Christina is very much like Alice. Mm-hmm. Which is also fascinating in and of itself because Meredith can't stand Alice, but her and Christina are best friends, even though Christina and Alice are very much, I don't know, I don't want to say like the same person, but they're very similar in a lot of ways. And I guess that could tie back to 
Christina getting to redo Ellis, you know, like she gets to be the, this generation, like the next generation's Ellis and some of the mistakes that Ellis made, she gets to right those wrongs perhaps. And perhaps her relationship with Meredith, Mm -hmm. the fact that she has a good one does make her a better person. And maybe Mm -hmm. if Ellis had a better relationship with her daughter, we would have seen the same thing. Well, and I was going to say, and it's also very interesting because later in the episode, you have Christina kind of asking Alice about her mistakes and trying to learn from them. And I almost get this sense of her not completely, you know, Meredith, like, you know, how Meredith doesn't want to be anything like her mother. But I get a little bit of that feeling of Christina's like, I know I'm headed straight down the path like what you were. And mm-hmm. I don't want to be that. I want to be like, you know, just and a I think hair over or something, whatever. I, yeah, I also think it's because she met Meredith. Because you remember in the pilot, everyone was like, Ellis Gray, the Ellis Gray. You know, everyone won. And Christina goes, I'd kill to be Ellis Gray. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating because she is in a lot of ways. But I think she's realizing that because Ellis is the way she is, she kind of ruined her best friend and somebody that she really values. So Christina's heart has opened, and I think it's thanks to Meredith and Burke, mostly. Mm-hmm. So Ellis has this to say about heart surgeons, which I thought was just... I think we should mention it because I think it's interesting. Heart surgeons are the know-it-alls. They're the most ambitious, the most driven. They want it all, and they want it now. And they don't want anything getting in their way. Meredith says, I'm part of an Alzheimer's research study. I want a neuro consult with the doctor who put me in the trial. Which, as soon as you hear that, you have to, like, your heart has to sink into your stomach because you know what's going to happen. Ellis is going to tear Derek five new assholes. (laughs) And you know it's coming. And we are excited and here for it. So I like how they sandwich these Ellis scenes with comedy because I think it's very necessary. This intern OTP scene, oh. I it's I am the emoji with hard eyes. That's me. Yes, it's a great scene. <laughs> I love Meredith. I'm avoiding the gift. <laughs> we all what a would. great line. What a great line. <laughs> well, uh, your gift wants to meet Derek. <laughs> Which, like, out of context, does that sound weirdly sexual? Yes. Hey, my gift wants to meet you. That's, no, to never use that again. (laughs) No, 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 not Derek, your boyfriend. Derek, the neurosurgeon. She's going to know he's your boyfriend anyway. She has ways. I'm kind of in love with her, by the way. (laughs) She has that effect on people who aren't her daughter. I love the way that Sandra O oh decides to play Christina. It's 100% correct 99% of the time. And then we get Izzy coming up with P-Guy. Yeah. Who they just never witnesses this him. entire conversation. Imagine, imagine getting a role on Grey's Anatomy and being like, oh, these are your lines. And he's like, cool. And he's like, what's my name? And they're like, that's not, we don't need to. <laughs> we don't need P-guy. to name guy. You. You're P-Guy. On the Grey's Anatomy wiki, he's man who hurts when pees. <laughs> oh, what role were you in Grey's Anatomy? Man who hurts when pees. It's a very popular it. role. Yeah. You might have seen me. 
hey, I heard about your mother. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I love Izzy. And they just like, Izzy like just doesn't care about the patient at all, which is hilarious because the only reason why she stole him was because she said that she wanted to put patient care first. And then she makes him sit through this conversation. I love this show, guys. She's avoiding her. Mayor, she's your mother and she's really here. This is your chance. You should talk to her. You should spend some time with her. And Meredith goes, she has a very long history of being disappointed in me. Which also, wasn't Meredith, like, an emo, like, goth person in high school? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're a doctor now. Parental disappointment ends with a medical degree. You clearly have not messed Ellis Gray. And then this guy has to ruin this moment. Can we get moving? It hurts when I pee. Are you peeing right now, boy? Then doesn't hurt. And then Christina goes, are you stealing patients from the (laughs) ER? And is... Catherine Heigl, she like pauses slightly and looks to the side. It makes this scene. She goes, yes, but only because I have to know that I did not spend my entire inheritance on an empty room with empty beds. Because if I did that, I might go crazy. And George called dibs on all the crazy this week. Do you think Callie's pregnant? And then the guy goes, okay, I'm going back to the ER. (laughs) The man is like, this woman is clearly like she deserves to be in the psych ward. What the hell? And then Izzy just goes, just keep your pants on. But I really, that's great writing. Like everything, think about how that conversation flowed so perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it flows right back, right into the next scene where Meredith goes to George. You know, that's something that I should mention in this episode. All of the scenes flow incredibly well. It's not choppy. It never feels like one ends and then we're suddenly like, thrown into a new storyline because look here meredith motions for george to come out of his patient's room and he's taking her blood in that scene Mm -hmm. i think i'm pretty sure he is or he goes back in to take her blood which is fascinating anyway i love this line too well was it good impulsive or was it meredith impulsive because if it was meredith impulsive maybe i can help you get out of it she's like i know people (laughs) She, it's nice to see her owning up to it. She knows. (laughs) And he goes, no, no, it's good. And then they have a little moment. They hug, which is cute. And Meredith genuinely says, congratulations, George. And I love this. Isn't it so strangely satisfying that the only person this whole episode that takes the high road is Meredith? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's those kind of glimpses into her character when you realize, yeah, she's, she, as much as we like to, you know, laugh and make jokes, she is a genuinely just great person and good friend. One, one scene, or I think one grouping that could have been very interesting that we don't get in this episode with Lucid Ellis would be ha- her having a conversation with George. Mm-hmm. Which would be really interesting. Like, I don't know. I, I imagine it going very much the same way that, like, his conversation with Thatcher went. I was but... literally about to say that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if anyone could make her proud of Meredith, it would be George. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this here in the notes. It's really cool to see their interactions once they removed that barrier of George being, in, like, infatuated and just head over heels in love with her. Because now it feels like we're actually seeing 
what Meredith and George interacting and what a real friendship would be like. And it's really surprisingly endearing and sweet. And just just when you thought that this scene couldn't get any better, who walks up but Miss Destruction herself, Ellis Gray? <laughs> Are you planning on coming to talk to me anytime soon? <laughs> I think it's kind of hilarious how they're just letting her walk around the hospital <laughs> again. I mean, this... As I said, the first three seasons are within it. It's one year. So when she was roaming around the hospital and they lost her in season two, it's just been months. Like, it hasn't been years. Well, it's also, like, she could become unlucid at any point and just be like... I mean, honestly, the security in this hospital is god-awful. Hashtag season six. (laughs) You Um, know, I was watching an episode of Rizzoli and Isles last night and they were in the hospital it's another cop show and i had the same comment they were in the hospital and i was like the security in this hospital sucks these patients are just walking around does that happen in real hospitals i haven't been to a hospital in a long time let us know guys like let let us know I don't, if we I have feel, any listeners know. out there that you know spend time in hospitals let us know how the security is that sounds really <laughs> Without context, that sounds really creepy. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe don't. <laughs> it's up to you. Falls in your court. <sighs> so then we get a, a Callie Addison scene. Which is quite possibly the most enjoyable Callie moment of this whole episode. Which well, is not saying much because she's... Ugh. I also don't like her in this scene either. I know. But it's like going from like meh to like... Eh. <laughs> Yeah, and it's 100% because Addison's there, the queen of the earth. Oh, yeah. Interestingly, Addison and Meredith are the two people who take the high road and are nice to George and Callie in this episode, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. I love when we can draw parallels between Addison and Meredith because I just... I think that they... in my head canon, they think of each other as being opposites. Like if Meredith was asked, she'd be like, "Oh, I'm not. I'm I'm nothing like Addison." But I think that they are similar. Mhm. Anyway, Kelly's like, she she changes the conversation so fast to herself that she could give Meredith a run for her money cuz she goes, mm-hmm. "I married the help. I went to Vegas. My idea, of course it was. I embraced the trashy." And Addison kind of does the nice version of Izzy, when she goes, but why married so fast? And then this line, you know those cartoons where there's a bear and it's starving and it looks like a cute intern? Earlier when she said it and Addison was doing it, I was okay with it, but with Callie, meh. It's not even that, but it's so superficial. Mm-hmm. Like, that is how she decided to describe her marriage. That's true. You'd think, like, I don't know, going off and getting eloped and, like, getting eloped. We just got eloped. Like, eloping or whatever. (laughs) Like, it would be, oh my gosh, you know, we're just, we're so in love, blah, blah, etc. And she's like, I'm just a hungry bear and there's my cute intern. Like, yeah. I'm just a hungry bear. (laughs) (laughs) Callie O'Malley. 
Wow. I'm just a hungry bear. And she goes, I know, it's small. And then Addison goes, it's beautiful. You think so? And it's this is like her insecurity here. Mm-hmm. It's like, who cares if she thinks so, you know? If you're if you're happy, you're happy. And yeah. she's not because she's insecure. Now we get a scene that is almost laughable. It's so awkward, but also cringeworthy painful. Mm-hmm. It's also very important. Yes. I, I think Becca wrote something like this. If you forget everything about this entire episode, don't forget this. Yes. You have to remember this scene. How do you want to handle this? Do you want to just do... Um, the dialogue? Ellis basically is like, so tell me about yourself. Like, this is an interview. And the first thing Meredith talks about is Derek, which is cute. I have a boyfriend. And then she basically interrupts her own daughter and says, have you chosen a specialty? And Meredith says, no, it's still early. And then Ellis is like, well, Christina's already chosen cardiothoracic. Like, she's a child in a way. You know, Ellis is like... Kind of immature. So should I be Meredith here? Sure. Do you think you can handle Ellis? I'll I'll do my best. Yeah, well, I guess I'm just waiting to be inspired. I'm happy now. I feel like I know who I am. Plus, I think when you have someone in your life that you love, you really love, I think that's, I don't know, I just, I'm really happy. What happened to you? What do you mean? You're happy? You're happy now? The Meredith I knew was a force of nature, passionate, focused, a fighter. What happened to you? You've gone soft. Stammering about a boyfriend and saying you're waiting to be inspired? You're waiting for inspiration? Are you kidding me? I have a disease for which there is no cure. I think that would be inspiration enough. Mom. Listen to me, Meredith. Anyone can fall in love and be blindly happy, but not everyone can pick up a scalpel and save a life. I raised you to be an extraordinary human being. So imagine my disappointment when I wake up after five years and discover that you're no more than ordinary. What happened to you? Ew. Like every time I hear it, it's, and it's from that I raise you to be an extraordinary human being. That is... When you think about it, these writers are freaking geniuses because I cannot think of anything that I could hear from one of my parents that would hurt me more than that. Mm-mm. To say that, like, you... Like, it she's is two, sen- two sentences. Imagine my disappointment. So she manages to say she's disappointed and that you're ordinary, that you're nothing special. I was about to say, I feel like her vision of what ordinary means is that you're nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, she's basically being like, so imagine my disappointment when I wake up after five years and discover that you're nothing. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. And she basically implies that she would rather have Christina as a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Because at the root of all this, Ellis is jealous of her own daughter. She is. Yes. Because... I think Ellis realizes that Meredith has the kind of love that she had with the chief and she lost that love. And it's obviously incredibly immature the way Mm -hmm. that she decides to deal with it. Well, I think it's also, I mean, if you think about it, she clearly wasn't dealing with it well when Meredith left for Europe, you know, Mm -hmm. all those years ago. And then she basically missed 
five years of dealing with it. And so I feel like we're really getting Ellis's emotions and what they were five years ago. You know, she hasn't really had kind of the time to almost deal with that kind of loss. Mm-hmm. And that it reminds kind of- me of Holden from the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, it's like she her growth has been stunted. Mm-hmm. I just um, don't even know what to say about this scene, except that it honestly drives plot lines literally seven seasons later. Yeah. So this scene is arguably, I mean, you could write an essay probably about how this could be the most important scene of Grey's Anatomy. For at least for Meredith. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, at the root of it, that's that's the show. This character, Meredith Grey, dealing with identity. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you also have to look at where Meredith is in her storyline when this happens. She is kind of on the up. And like what she says in the scene, she's happy. She's actually doing good mm-hmm. for once. And her mom just completely ruins her. I mean, I think she really makes her question her relationship with Derek in this. She makes her question what she's doing. She brings up all the kind of bad, you know, mommy issues that she has. I mean, I think it's almost like Ellis just completely like cut off Meredith at the knees. She just dismantled everything with, about her identity. You know, like with this one, basically with two sentences. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And there's a reason why that scene is one of the hardest things you can possibly sit through in this show. So then they cut over to George, who's drawing blood. And Vincent is kind of also doubting his relationship with this girl because he doesn't even know her middle name. And George kind of, I think, what does he show him? Like a necklace or something? Yeah, something like that or whatever. He's oh like, no no no! It's like a it's like a card or something, and her middle name is Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, but George looks obviously sick. I kind of like how the show is obviously making these patients out to be George and Callie. Mm-hmm. I almost think it's not that they're making the patients out to be them, but I think that the relationship. The, yeah, it it's a it's a metaphor for the relationship, not. That the George patients. is a one-to-one yeah. comparison to Vincent. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I like how it's just completely blatant and obvious. And that's really Most of odd. the time, I don't like it when things are exactly. too obvious. But in this case, I kind of like how they're like, this is a toxic relationship. It's a toxic relationship. Hint. I was about to say, and I like the parallel between having, you know, them kind of the problems, like showing the problems in the relationship and... The parallel of George getting sick mm-hmm. and he gets sicker and sicker throughout the thing as you know this relationship kind of reveals more like holes and everything um, mm-hmm. I like that parallel I wonder how fast George regrets getting married to Callie because the fact that we're even talking about it and they just got married this episode mm-hmm. I don't know I think that's pretty telling anyway Barracuda by Maiho Hattori. Miho? Miho? Miho Hattori. Whatever. Is the song that's playing when Meredith and Derek are talking to each other. She's basically prepping Derek 
to meet her mother, which yeah. is necessary because she's going to demolish Derek. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's going to tear Derek to pieces and use his spine as a necklace. He's like, I'm fantastic. And Meredith's like, I'll miss you. <laughs> yeah. Have fun walking into that hurricane. And so he does. And then we cut over to, oh my god, yes, Olivia. The reason for George. Olivia. Yeah. Um, I love Olivia. I don't know why. She's just... I feel like, okay, here's the thing, and we've said this before. Olivia respects intern OTP. That's all it takes. Think about it. Do you remember when Denny died and Olivia was, like, there. she was there, but, like, she she said, like, go find Meredith? Like, she gets it. She gets intern OTP the way that a lot of the other SOs don't get it. Mm-hmm. She knows her place, basically. I was about to say, well, and I also like... She's one of those characters that they bring back, you know, at different points. Like, she's not a main character, but every time they bring her back, she has a very specific purpose, and you can mm-hmm. understand. You know what I mean? Like, she's not... They're not just like, hey, Olivia's back! Woo! Like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I kind of like that of having like a real purpose for your tertiary characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. So Olivia goes, you seem kind of shaky and sweaty and pale. Is it the marriage? Are you totally <laughs> regretting it? It's person number four. I, I just, I love how Olivia is not on board with this. I, I love it. So George hands the blood off to Olivia. So take note of that. Callie walks up. Great. I do time out. I kind of like how they've made a show of focusing on the blood, but not making it like, you need to look at this blood. It's perfect for a rewatch. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they make the discovery, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't see this coming. And now watching it, I'm like, it's one of those things that's like, it's in every scene. Like you saw the scene of him drawing the blood. You see him specifically like handing her blood to Olivia. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Where's and it, blood? it's funny <laughs> that you bring that up because there's a season six episode where they promoted it. They promoted the hell out of this episode of somebody made a mistake and who will be fired because somebody made a mistake. And so, I mean, if that's in the promo, every audience member is watching like, where's the mistake? It was so obvious so obvious that it wasn't even fun. Like I was ready for a who done it, you know, like a clue type episode mm-hmm. where like you really had to pay attention and they were multifaceted or maybe maybe the twist at the end is that everyone made the mistake. No, it was just a super obvious moment near the beginning of the episode where one person clearly made a mistake and then it it came out at the end like ooh big surprise, you know? And it was so unsatisfying. So I agree with you. This is the opposite of that. This is one of those things where they don't focus on it at all. And you have to rewatch it in order to notice the small details that the writers put into it. You know, they make the reveal later and you're like, oh, I understand why George is sick. Why, like, you get all the people. The contact tracing, if you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hashtag 2020. So George and Callie start talking, and George, honestly, he looks like a zombie train wreck. Mm-hmm. He goes, what's your middle name? And Callie goes, it's bad. Don't, I don't tell anyone. Come on, we're married. I don't even know what your middle name is. And then Callie oh. 
says this. Okay, I knew it. It's your weird and judgy friends. You let them get to you. And he's like, no, I just want to know your damn middle name, woman. Honestly, if you're so insecure about yourself that you can't tell your husband what your middle name is, his friends are your are the least of your worries. Seriously. Well, and then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sick. I'm having trouble breathing. You know what? You didn't know my middle name last week, and you could breathe just fine. Oh. It's like, Callie, go swallow a grenade. <laughs> and then idea. Ellis, in record time, Derek goes, well, I'm not an Alzheimer's specialist. I just took a special interest in this case because of Meredith. You're what happened to her. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> she literally, like removes the like knife from Meredith's like crumpled up corpse and then just uses it to stab Derek. She's like, hold on one moment. <laughs> and then she goes, I thought you were here for me to offer me some hope to tell me some new treatment, but you're here for her. And attending a neurosurgeon? No wonder why she's so unfocused. <laughs> and he goes, you forgot to mention my hair. Oh wait, that's the, that's her own voice. What about my hair? I gelled it this morning. Where's my bridge? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Derek's like, I need a wheelchair to get me to my bridge. I don't think you understand. Oh, I understand. I understand perfectly. I've seen men like you before, threatened by a woman that's their equal. You just want someone to admire you, and you don't care about the damage you do to her along the way. Damn, she took no time in obliterating him. But the thing that makes this scene so sobering is that it's not wrong. Ellis is not wrong. No. Because she knows him, you know? Because she knows Richard, and that's the parallel. Although, is Richard the kind of man that doesn't... that wants somebody to admire him? I don't know. I don't know. But the thing... The thing is, is that despite the, you know, parallels, she psychoanalyzes Derek in record time because she's not wrong. And it's one of those moments where the show makes you, the audience member, confront your perception of this couple. Because, I mean, quite frankly, I am the captain of the Marindare ship. I am the captain now. And we all want these two to be happy. But I think we also have to admit that Ellis isn't wrong here. And in a way, didn't Finn say the exact same thing when he left in 304? Uh I just... How great is it that this show takes their their cash cow, their main romantic couple, and is like, but look at how messed up they are. Mm-hmm. I think it makes it even better. It makes it for an even better show. And I think it's really cool because, you know, we talked about a couple scenes ago, Ellis kind of cracking the great, amazing relationship that was like Meredith and Derek and like from Meredith's perspective but now she's kind of doing it from Derek's perspective as well and now they both I think have questions or concerns about their relationship all created by Alice yeah and in a strange way in in some ways do you think it hits Derek harder I don't know maybe maybe we shouldn't go into the future the other line that I thought was fascinating was threatened by a woman that's their equal and it really i think hit for me it was like when you look at it where he traded in addison who's an attending is technically his equal for meredith who's an intern Mm -hmm. who's like below him and so like i don't know that line was really interesting for to me Um, right 
And obviously there's much more to that, but yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. And I think that that's something that shouldn't be like, you know, skipped over. Glazed over, yeah. I never thought of that, but that's fascinating as well. Because I I think she's right. I think in some ways Derek loves the fact that that Meredith is that wide-eyed intern that Mm -hmm. thinks that he's, you know, McDreamy. Yeah. So Alex takes over for George in Um, in Marina's OR. Because George becomes the first and only patient of the clinic. So Alex Alex takes another hit. Where's O'Malley? (laughs) Curled up in a ball in the clinic. Is he okay? Uh, He's married. And then the chief is like, right. Okay, (laughs) Boki template. (laughs) Oh my god. I think we gotta count Richard and Alex in that one. So now we're up to six. Six shots at this marriage, all oh, in one episode. And everyone in that OR is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody even blinks. So then the clinic finally gets their first patient, which is Kelly and her dad. And he, she basically just needs help uh, understanding how to use tampons. Well, actually all feminine products. But he pulls out a box of tampons. No, I... Don't know why, but I find it so adorable that this man was like, "My daughter needs help. I'm going to bring her to this free clinic that literally just opened." Yeah, exactly. He's like, "I drove past here last week, and there wasn't any building, and now there's a free clinic. So it, Papa's using it." It opened just in time. <laughs> yes. Okay, now we get the scene. I know that you said that the line of the episode was Alex, but I have to disagree. So this lab tech comes into the clinic and lays down. By the way, this lab tech has one of the best scenes between George and her in season four. It's so funny. Anyway, and she's sick. And George is the one that realizes that they all have the same symptoms. Because Olivia came in, the lab tech came in, George came in, and George goes, she's toxic. And then Olivia says this. Callie, yeah, a lot of us feel that way. (laughs) Pow, pow, pow. A moment of silence for that line. A moment of silence for Callie because she just got destroyed. And she wasn't even there to witness it. I know. Olivia... Oh my god, girl. That was glorious. I loved it. Also, shout out to Tony and Joan for writing that line. Yeah. Jeez. Hilarious. And then George goes, no, the patient's blood is toxic. It's making us sick. And in that moment, like, your heart just kind of, like, drops. Like, your stomach drops. Because, and, you know, you you said this in the notes. It It's that moment, just like the bomb episode, where you realized... There wasn't an explosion, you know? Yeah. And this is kind of like a metaphorical explosion, but... Because then it, you know, flips to the OR and everyone's on the ground, except for Marina, (laughs) Everyone looks like they're dead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's hilarious. It just looks like a a scene of dead people. I I have wanted Meredith to just be standing there covered in blood. But honestly, like... The first time I saw it, I was very young. So yes, it, it scared me. But when I watched it this time, I kind of laughed out loud. Not going to lie. Because it was just like a bunch of dead people on the floor. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. this seemed inevitable. 
it happens. Um, so then we cut to the next scene, and everyone has been removed from the OR. Yeah. And basically, they're all arguing about what to do. So for those of you who are like, this would never actually happen, they did throw in a line where they kind of, you know, lampshade it, hand wave it. They found an herbal supplement in her purse. The lab guys think it combined with the chemochemicals and turned her blood into some kind of neurotoxin. The only reason she's alive is because she's intubated. So there you go, guys. They provided an explanation. Also, you would think that this would happen to more people. There's got to be a lot of people that take chemotherapy. I don't know. But also, if you're really curious, another take. You should look up the real case that this is based off of. Yes. Fascinating. So then George goes, Callie, it was her blood. Her blood was toxic, not our marriage. You thought our marriage was toxic? Which, first off, yes, Callie, everyone does. But also, why would he admit to his wife? Like, what? It's not our marriage. Why would you say that, George? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to count that. I'm going to count George. As taking a shot at his own marriage. Right there. We're up to eight. He's a dumbass. Anyway. So then we have this scene where Ellis gets... This is a crazy scene. She gets emotional with Christina. Mm -hmm. But not her daughter. Because, again, I feel like she can connect with Christina better than Meredith. So she says, what would you do if the thing that defines who you are was taken away? Tell Dr. Burke I don't want the surgery. And then Christina goes, I'm very sorry, Dr. Gray, but technically that decision isn't yours. It's Meredith's. Which honestly, like, a lot of other scenes in this episode, I mean, obviously, like, really hit and were huge. But for some reason, that line just hit differently for me. And I don't Mm -hmm. know why. It almost feels like instant karma. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you know why? Because it throws in Ellis's face that you know the you know the little like child, your child that you just yelled at and destroyed. She is taking care of you this whole time. She has been there the whole time. I had a slight epiphany. And I feel like I'm going to have to get your help to like actually mold it into something. But she goes, so right before that, she says what would you do if the thing that defines who you are was taken away? And a couple, like, and then Christina's like, well, it's not your choice. Like, the choice, like, is completely out of your hands. Mm -hmm. And a couple scenes ago, she basically completely took away who Meredith was. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, like, I have thoughts about this. I think you got it. And I'm trying to, like... <laughs> mm-hmm. mold it into something pretty. <laughs> it's like Meredith and Ellis are tethered to each other and they both don't want to be, but they both have to be. Mhm. Well, and it's also this very fascinating thing when you have a person like Ellis who I think really relies on having control of her own life and mm-hmm. being the person who's always in control. And I think it's very telling when all of a sudden they don't have that decision. And for her, it's almost better when she has Alzheimer's because at least she doesn't know she's out of control. Yeah. Interesting that we said that because I think 
season two, episode three was called Make Me Lose Control, and that was a really big Ellis Gray episode. Let me look it up. I don't think that's right, actually. No, it is right. Take that. Look at that memory. 203, Make Me Lose Control, and that was a big Ellis episode. So then we get some comedy here. And Kelly, who is still in the clinic, and like has been... Can I ask, just before we go into Kelly, Oh sure. what's the purpose of her? Because I don't actually think she adds much to the analysis of the show. Like, is there a parallel that I'm supposed to be drawing with Kelly here? Because I, I I did take some notes at the end of the episode that I liked about Kelly, but I think the details of Kelly are not important. I don't think the specific details are. I think the concept and the greater... The greater idea of Kelly is important, but I think well, we should just skip through. Well, and that's, I think, it, okay, yeah, we can skip it um, and then just talk about it at the end. Yeah. Okay. All right, so this is a fantastic scene where Meredith gets to take back her agency a little bit. Well, and finally kind of get to stand up to her mom because we haven't had too many flashbacks between them and much, but you really get the idea that Meredith has never really stood up to her mom Mm -hmm. Um, and you know what i'm really glad we don't get flashbacks in this show very often because i like the mystery of not seeing it for mm -hmm. ourselves but only seeing it through other people's eyes i think that that adds something Mm -hmm. well that's we haven't really gotten too much into like the relationship and what it was but i don't know you really get the hint that meredith doesn't really stand up to her mom really until this and this is, wow. Yeah, this is a way to start. So I, I guess I'll be Meredith again. I'm not sure refusing treatment is what you want to do. Apparently what I want doesn't matter. It isn't even legally binding. So it's really about what you want, Meredith. You're in charge. Do you think I like making these decisions for you? Do you think it's fun to get calls from the nursing home asking me whether I was planning on giving the nurse who changes you every morning a Christmas tip? But I do it because you have managed to alienate everyone else in your life and I am the only one, so I have to step up and do it. You want to know why I'm so unfocused, so ordinary? You want to know what happened to me? You. You happened to me. Then let me refuse the surgery. No. Why not? Because killing my mother is not going to be another thing that happens to me. Which, oh. Jesus Christ, Ellen Pompeo. Mm -hmm. Like, it almost looked like she was sucking the life out of herself to to give that speech. Like, can you imagine being the guy behind the camera and then they yell cut? What do you even say? Like, how do you even, like, move on from that? I have no idea. Oh my god. Incredible. Incredible I, acting. I'm going to ask, this might be a stupid question, but I I feel like I don't fully understand why Ellis doesn't want the surgery. From from her conversation with Christina, I saw it the way I interpreted it was it was like medical suicide because she said, "What would you do if you couldn't if you you know if the only thing that mattered to you was taken away and then she, and the next sentence she says tell dr burke i don't want the surgery so she's saying like i'd rather just let this thing kill me okay then live with alzheimer's yeah so 
Now I get to see where Burke and Derek are putting on these special suits, which, like, in 2020 looks hilarious. In, like, another 20 years is going to be absurd. Like, we're going to be watching this and thinking, what was happening in 2007? Which, who knows, but... And Burke goes to infinity and beyond. Yeah, these packs circulate the air inside. (laughs) Thanks, Burke. COVID, baby. So they have these battery packs that only last 30 minutes. It's like, why did you even, de- like, who designed this? Also, my question, they're like, these batteries haven't been charging long. What have they been doing? Yeah, has someone so- else been using them? Like, why were they not charging? Why, yeah, exactly. why are they not ready to go? <laughs> who else was using this equipment? You know what I mean? Like, for some hospital, like, why is this emergency gear not just ready to go? (laughs) Yeah, and then Addison notices that the anesthesia is wearing off, which, honestly, this scene had me on the the edge of my seat. This was effective. Mm -hmm. This scene scared me a little bit. And Mark is like, these guys are two minutes out. And Addison's like, she doesn't have two minutes, so she runs in there. And she, you know, gives her the anesthesia. But then, then Derek and Burke immediately go in without waiting two minutes. So they just took a shit on Addison's sacrifice. They're just like, move. We're going in now. It's like, why didn't you just go in two seconds ago? Ugh. That's so true. They're like, oh, yeah, we're ready now. <laughs> Addison's like collapsing. And she's, she like had this heroic sacrifice that could have killed her. And then they just go in anyway. What jerks? <laughs> so Ellis is having some issues, and what did you think about Ellis teaching or like coaching Christina on how to save herself? It's like kind of creepy, but also kind of awesome. It was pretty badass. I'm not gonna lie. It reminded me of that scene in Law and Order where Melinda has to tell Olivia how to perform surgery on herself. It's pretty dope. Spoiler. (laughs) I think it's the one and only glimpse we ever get on this show of Ellis being a teacher. If she wasn't attending in this hospital, would Mm. it have been kind of like that? Oh, and then Ellis goes, you're good, sharp under pressure. You'll make an extraordinary surgeon. That should be our new count for the next couple of episodes. Not the seriously count, but the extraordinary count. Yeah. So next we get Canal Song by Ian Marcher. Why can't people just have normal names? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) And Christina says, Dr. Gray, I need to ask you. Will it get in my way? Can I have both? Can I be a great surgeon and have a life? Because there's this great man who just asked me to marry him. And I... No, you tried to have both, and you split up with Meredith's dad, and I know that this is none of my business. And she goes, it is none of your business. But she pauses, and she goes, and I didn't try hard enough. And that is such a, like, it's such a big deal for Ellis, even though it's so small to concede to that. But it's a really big deal that Ellis admitted to that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I also really like this idea that, like, you know, we were talking about earlier how Meredith's best friend is basically the same person as her mother. But it's also, like, that there is something that Christina can do to not 
follow that same path you know like Mm -hmm. it's not like she's stuck down that yeah it's it's like hope Mm -hmm. it's like saying yes there is hope you will it's not necessarily fate that you will repeat my mistake history will repeat itself you know there is a sense of agency that you have where it's not all fate you can make decisions to change your future Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's really cool so let's do this, the Chief-Meredith dialogue. I also just, I have to say this. Meredith and the Chief are just sitting alone watching Burke and Derek. And I, I hate this. Because if this was season one, that gallery would be packed. Mm-hmm. And we're also implying that literally no other <laughs> surgeons are in this hospital. That It's not even funny to me. It just pisses me off. Because it's like... The show is not committed to being realistic, you know? And it's already starting to show, and it bothers me so much. Yeah. I almost wish that there had been, like, would have been a line of, like, like him being, like, oh, Dr. So-and-so, like, is unavailable. Like, you know, like, having something of, like, these doctors are unavailable, so you have to go in or something, like. Yeah, honestly, just that one line would have helped me a lot. But I hate this, where suddenly, like, think back to season one where there was tons of doctors all the time, you didn't recognize their faces, and it felt like you were a kid in college or something. Mm-hmm. And now we're in season three, and it almost seems like every doctor... Has disappeared. Has dis- Well, it, it almost seems like our cast are literally the only doctors in the hospital, which is just bullshit. Mm-hmm. I also have this weird like picture of... The other, you know, general surgeon showing up to be like, yep, I got to perform this bowel resection. <laughs> and Derek just being like, no, and like body slamming him out of the way. Yeah, Burke's like, must not shine. on my watch. <laughs> Anywho, so let's do this. Mm-hmm. I'll be the chief. Okay. Your mother stopped for five years and you became someone. According to her, I didn't. According to her, I'm a disappointment. In a perfect world, she'd be able to tell you she was proud of you. But it's not a perfect world, and your mother's not a perfect woman. Word. I think the person she'd most like to see right now is you. The only thing your mother wants to hear right now is that I regret staying with Adele. It's the only gift I could give her, and I can't tell her that. It's not true. The word gift has also been used a lot in this episode. I think this is where we start seeing separations between this parallel that we, this generational parallel we've been drawing. Because I think if Derek did stay with Addison, he would have regretted it. In fact, we proved it. Mm hmm. I also really like them gearing towards the, the chief kind of having that fatherly relationship with Meredith. And in some ways, him, one, being like the father that she didn't have. But also, it's very interesting because in some ways he almost was her father. Uh, so now we get another scene where Callie's just being super um, insecure. Which and also, like, granted, George is like, why aren't you proud of me? And she's like, you literally just insulted our marriage to my face. Which, like, she has a point. I mean, that's valid. Yeah, but I... But it's shit on Callie day, so we're shitting on Callie. Yeah, I mean, I know we shit on Callie with the same kind of regularity that Jamie Lee Curtis has from all that activity, she, <clears throat> activity she eats. But to be honest, 
I don't think it's unwarranted now. I mean, the show itself, it's in the text. Oh, yeah. Is shitting on her. Eight different characters. (laughs) Exactly. We were right, guys. We knew it. And she says, you're weird and judgy friends over and over and over and over again. Which, like, maybe you're the weird and judgy one, Callie. Yeah, it's like, the common denominator here is not his friends. Because I I don't know if I'd call Olivia his friend. Yeah, no, she's not. And then we get this, like... Yeah, that's true. (laughs) The freaking chief of the hospital is like, your marriage sucks. (laughs) Take that. And he would know. (laughs) Exactly. I don't. I also really don't like this manipulation when Callie's like, I guess it was too much to just hope you'd stand up for me. It's like, ew. You're like, yep, Ugh. bye. <laughs> and by the way, her middle name is Iphigenia. <clears throat> I can't wait to hear what your pals have to say about that. Me either, Callie. <laughs> I can't wait. You, first off, can we? Where does that name come from? I think it's Greek. Do you want me to look it up or? I kind of do. Like <laughs> you, you had like no reaction to that. <laughs> yeah, in Greek mythology, Iphigenia was the daughter of King Agamemnon and Queen. Oh Jesus Christ! Can't say that. <laughs> she she was the princess of a place. Agamemnon. I I I read. Oh yeah, he was a big dude in the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder. I don't know her like story or whatever, but. Maybe. Yeah, I wonder if there's anything there. I'll look that up. I was about to say, for follow-up for next time, we'll look at that. And yeah, that'd yeah. be interesting to see if there's actually, like, anything there. Or if they were like, this name's weird. Here we go. <laughs> They're like, this name sounds like vagina. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the child who's writing this show is like, yeah. Oh, love it. Yeah. So then Alex and Addison have a cute little moment. Uh, yeah, and I actually, I think I was a little hard on this this relationship and the decisions they made in the past couple of episodes because I think, and maybe this is just me projecting, but I think the writers are trying to push Addison as a character and as a human by making her be rejected by Alex mm-hmm. because th- that's something she's not used to. I also think it's cool from, like, Alex's perspective because, one, I think she's really one of the only women that he actually really respects in this hospital. And, like, she also kind of gives back some of his sass. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. in that sense, you really get those moments of him respecting her and stuff, which is, I don't know, it's very interesting because you get to kind of see a different side of Alex than what I guess everyone else kind of sees. And if if that's the point that the writers are going for, then I kind of respect the slow burn. I can get behind that if if that's what they're going for. Well, I like how they just didn't like go like, all right, they did it, all right, we're done. Yeah, or all right, now they're a couple, they're together. I can respect a slow burn. Mm-hmm. I agree. So Meredith, Izzy, Christina, and the <laughs> OR gallery. They heard you complaining about no one being in the gallery. <laughs> I love this. How's George? Medically, he's fine. Emotionally, he's a little stunted, if you ask me. You don't marry the rebound girl, am I right? And it's like, Izzy, you're talking to Meredith. (laughs) Callie was the rebound from Meredith. What is Meredith going to say? Like, yeah. 
What a loser. <laughs> Meredith is also kind of was Derek's rebound. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my god, that's so true. And she's just like, oh my god. Christina, you don't marry anyone on a whim. That's why I took a week to accept my proposal. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need us. He's got his Vegas show wife. Ew. Damn. That is, that's like mean. That's hashtag I, jealous. But I will admit it. That's mean, but it comes from a place of jealousy. So that's nine. Um, yeah. And then Burke and Derek both pass out <laughs> on each other. Hysterical. <laughs> I also love how they like just barely get over it. They're like, you're at 32 minutes. And the two of them are just like, Ugh, like fall over. Yeah. And I love that. I also like the touch of how they look at each other where it's like, are you leaving? No. Are you leaving? No. It's like, I'd rather pass out and die than lose to you. <laughs> They're like, are you going to pass out first or am I? <laughs> I forget who does. I don't know. Who wins? Oh, it's Berg. And then Derek tries to help him and then passes out. <laughs> Love it. What a great moment. Christina, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. And again, here we go. We have the only members of remaining members of our main cast because they couldn't hire any background extras to do this. You know, it's like, this is just... It's breaking the rules of reality for drama and it's, it's so subtle now but it 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 only gets worse it only gets more annoying and on hindsight i hate this but whatever and basically mark is just like i'm not doing it so we're gonna make the interns go in with the toxic blood lady (laughs) so christina's like i can swim three lengths of my parents pool underwater which damn that's actually impressive well how how big is your pool yeah that's true it's like a kiddie pool (laughs) It's like one of those like blow up pools. She just turns around and she's at the other end. The chief's like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, because I worked my way up to being able to swim one length of a pool underwater. And yeah, that was hard. Mm-hmm. Granted, I am not a swimmer. But still, you know what I'm saying. So then Christina does as much as she can. Izzy does as much as she can, which isn't much. And then Meredith... Of course. It, the hammer comes in and the chief is like, come on, Greg, come on. This is where Meredith shines because she doesn't actually need <laughs> oxygen anyway. She she's, runs on batteries and motor oil. She's like, this is my perfect environment. Yes, exactly. Toxic blood and no No air. oxygen. <laughs> I would have loved it if after Meredith had like completed the task, if she just stayed in there, she's like, I want to feel the burn of my lungs collapsing. <laughs> she just like comes out, everyone's like passed out, and she's like, I feel fine, and like walks away. <laughs> she's like, Well, that was fun. Bye. <laughs> so she's. Marina wh- wakes up. Whatever her name is, is fine. Mariana. <laughs> Madrid. Um, and Vincent's there. He's like, Oh. And then he's like, and she's like, that's my name. And we're like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, she's like, that's my name. She is overwhelmed by the fact that he knows her name. (laughs) She's like, it is. I also like how they don't tell her 
they're not like, hey, honey, you had toxic blood. Stop taking those herbal supplements. They just yeah. like this, like, yeah. Vincent man talk to her. They're like, yeah, you can take it. <laughs> Hysterical. She's like, why the hell and am I, I in this bubble? And he's like, you're going to be okay. You woke up. And then he's, she's like, oh, he said my name. <laughs> Let me just, I have to ask. <laughs> and I know. Oh, God. I know I shouldn't. But she's a woman. Why hasn't she killed more people once a month? That is such a fair question. Are we, I mean, I get like, maybe she didn't have a paper cut. Maybe she didn't have a nosebleed, whatever. But like, are we, are we saying that she's not having a period? Because I know it's possible. But like, come on. That's true. I have questions. She has toxic periods that murder people. Also, if it's a neurotoxin, how does it not affect her? They said that the only, yeah, like, through a period, it would affect her. But, like, they said that the only reason why it didn't affect her in the surgery was because she was intubated. Which is bullshit, though. Well, that's, like, just, like, walking around. Like, why wouldn't it affect her before? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I we should understand what biology is, but... Just squint, and it looks right. So, okay, this is where I want to talk about the clinic storyline. Overall... I was very satisfied with this first clinic storyline. I thought that they used it effectively to show all the different doctors getting sick and having to come to the clinic. Because I thought that that was a really cool place. Because otherwise they would have had to do it in the ER and it would have been kind of weird to have them all in the ER like that. And I think that the point of it is that there's beauty in simplicity. And I really like the core message here, which is that not everything worthwhile is hardcore and flashy and extreme because they did something they helped that one girl they really did help her you know what i mean Mm -hmm. well that's i was gonna say is the whole point of a free clinic is to help people is to help the everyman yeah and it's not to you know have these humongous flashy like i shoved a grenade in my chest (laughs) like (laughs) come to this free clinic um we found your neck um, and I think it was kind of cool with the whole opening of Izzy really stressing the fact over and over, like, that it was, you know, $8 million and all this stuff. They did this, like, simple thing, but they're like, yeah, but for that girl, it was probably, like, the biggest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. You know? You might have changed her life. Yeah. So the song Believer by Sue Susanna and the Magical Orchestra is playing... And for this, this is the scene, and they've waited, they've held off on this for the whole episode, but they, we finally get an Ellis and the chief scene. And Ellis asks, do, do I know who Meredith is? Do I at least recognize her? And you know what's so heartbreaking is that she has all these moments where she obviously cares so deeply about Meredith, but she never shows Meredith. No. I was to say Meredith comes in and she's like, Ugh, I hate you. Yes. <laughs> And the chief goes, you know she's someone important, someone who loves you. Should we do this? Yeah. Let's just do it. I'll be Ellis. Okay. You look out for her, because she's got so much more to learn, and I won't be able to teach her. I'll look out for her. I wish I could go back. I'd do everything so differently. I'd fight harder for you. I think if I fought harder for you... We would have had a wonderful life together, Ellis. You think so? I do. We would have done our fellowship here. 
and then you would have fought me for chief and probably won. And I wouldn't have minded because we'd have kids at home. We have kids? Meredith would have needed a brother and sister. Kids need family. We would have been a family. Probably bought that big house on Parker, the one with the barn. That's a good place for a family. And I would have been happy, just like Meredith says she's happy. And that would have changed everything. Maybe I would be fine, and we could grow old together, and life would be so perfectly ordinary. That is, like, damn near tragic. The ordinary part. I think she's realizing that she spent her her whole life trying to be extraordinary to make up for the fact that what she really, really wanted was to just be ordinary mm-hmm. and have an ordinarily happy life with the chief. And when she lost that, she she kind of latched on to the, well, well, I don't need to be ordinary. I need to be extraordinary, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she, like, says later, like, my life is so unfinished. Yeah. Which is just, it's so tragic. Yeah. And it's, I think it's also an interesting thing, too, because, and she has no control over it, you know? Mm. And you get the the feeling that it's not just because of the Alzheimer's that she feels unfinished. I think she felt that way before Alzheimer's, and then mm-hmm. that was just you know, the gravy on top. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So then we're in the intern locker room. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even look if they had different lockers this time. I'm sure they did. So Callie enters and Izzy goes, hey, it's the little woman. So what are your plans now? You're not moving in, are you? (laughs) That's 10. Uh. And then George, like, for the one and only time, actually stands up. To, like for Callie like I think it's the only time he does I think it is yeah you people you're supposed to be my friends my closest friends Callie is an important part of my life now if you want to drive her away and your master's at it you'll do it <laughs> which is true but if she's gone I'm gone she's my wife Calliope Iphigenia Torres is my wife and the face that Izzy has honestly it was my face when I heard well, it. Well, then I love that. Don't you dare. Okay. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yes. Because George knew. George knew. Don't you dare. <laughs> Hysterical. That's just great comedy, honestly. Fireworks by The Whitest Boy Alive is the song that's playing. What are these songs? And then we just get this weird scene where, like, Addison and Mark are having sex in the hotel room. And I don't understand why this is here unless... I was about to say, I feel like this this scene felt kind of out of place to me, but... Yeah, because she goes, I'm actively not thinking about you right now. And I was... The only way that I can even begin to think of how this would fit in is if they're trying to insinuate that she's thinking about Alex. But it was not clear enough. It was just a weird scene. It was odd. Um, So then we cut to Christina and Burke. And she accepts his proposal in the most Christina way possible. Conditions. Yeah. I love this. We'll have money. We can hire our wife. Are you saying yes? Yeah. (laughs) That's how she said it. Well, then I'm not letting you scrub in tomorrow. Well, I'm not wearing the ring. Okay. Okay, then. 
that's that's their engagement guys like. and i love how like they both sit there silently and then burke goes yes it's so adorable it's so adorable i love them so much i love burke more than i love most things in life and then as if we haven't had enough heartbreaking moments in this scene we get this oh my god yes the way that they end this episode is just like from a writer i can see how you would love to do this but as an audience member this is just heart-wrenching oh yeah because it's ellis the chief and meredith and meredith walks into ellis's room and you can tell she's been like hyping herself up to to do Mm -hmm. this you know and the chief says meredith but you know you don't know why and then meredith says I just have to say this. The reason I want you to have the surgery is because I have this hope that in a year or two years or five, they're going to have a breakthrough. They're going to find a cure for Alzheimer's and you and I will have another chance to get to know each other. You will have a chance to get to know me, to see that I am not even remotely ordinary. So I wish you would have the surgery, but it's up to you, mom. It's your life. And off this line, you remind me of my daughter. Oh my god. The 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 way that Ellen reacts to this is just so perfect. I'm she just bumps just remembering this scene. She just looks at the chief. And the chief goes, "About an hour ago. One more one minute she was here and the next. I'm so sorry." And then Meredith goes, "Me too." And then it just ends and <sighs> because I think in the back of your mind you knew that that's what the end game of this episode was but you just had this hope that they weren't going to just completely destroy meredith like that but they did mm-hmm. anyway so here's the closing speech as doctors we're trained to give our patients just the facts but what our patients really want to know is will the pain ever go away will i feel better am i cured what our patients really want to know is is their hope But inevitably, there are times when you find yourself in the worst case scenario, when the patient's body has betrayed them and all the science we have to offer them has failed, when the worst case scenario comes true and clinging to hope is all you've got left. I don't think that's a sentence. So we're going into next episode with all hope pretty much extinguished and lost. Yeah, Which really just puts you at a great place. Yeah, for a three-parter. Yeah, for You're a like, three-part episode. Yeah. Mm. I still, I'm like still not over that last scene. Mm-mm. All right. So patient rankings. Well, seriously, uh, count was zero. Yes, the seriously count was zero again. Patient rankings. I had five. Same. Right. Okay. So my number five was Kelly. Mm-hmm. Mine was hurts when he pees. That was actually my number four. So we switched it, and your number four was Kelly. Yeah. Was there a reason why? I don't know. I just like I liked the little like simplicity of her bringing like the clinic and her being like the first clinic person. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, I don't know. All he really brought was like com- comedy, which I guess was good, but. Yeah, I did think that they both. You know, what's interesting is that they both brought a different aspect to the clinic, though. Yeah, that's true. Which is cool. Our number three was actually the doctors, mm-hmm. slash also Olivia. She's a nurse. 
Fun fact, her last name is Harper, Which according to the Grey's Anatomy wiki. Olivia Harper. Because, yeah. I, honestly, whenever they make the doctors, uh, patients, you know, you're on thin ice, but they did a great job this time. And yeah. it was perfect. It really, like, heightened the severity of the situation, I would say. And the stakes. Um, number two is Marina. What, however mm-hmm. the hell you say her name. Marina. Yeah. yeah Rose Wagner. Obviously, and then number one is Ellis. Yeah, because, duh. (laughs) Yeah. As the lady said in the beginning, I don't even think I could think of anything to change about this episode. Mm, Actually, no, that's not true. I would want, as I said, more people... I I want the hospital to feel like a hospital. And not just these five characters that are inhabiting an abandoned hospital. Yeah. I get that. I'll accept your make one change. Thank you. (laughs) Um, so anything else, Becca? I don't think so. All right. So next week is a doozy. We are talking about season three, episode 15, Walk on Water, written by Shonda Rhimes, directed by Rob mm-hmm. Korn. So you know shit's about to go down. I was about to say, when Shonda Rhimes is the writer, you know. Yeah. You um, know. If you want to get in touch with us, which some of you have, so like, Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. We love when you reach out to us. Even the smallest little, you know, comment or mm-hmm. like is awesome. You can on Twitter. Uh, the podcast is at Grey's Uncut. Mine, my Twitter handle is at Hazard underscore Emily. Becca's is at Anderson underscore Becca. For longer questions or comments, you can use our Gmail, which is Grey's Anatomy Uncut at gmail.com. Our website is grazenatomyuncut.home.blog and please leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you haven't already. That would be great. Yeah. And we'll see you hopefully very soon. Uh, (laughs) All right. I make no promises. (laughs) All right, signing off. Bye. Bye.